Hello, you're listening to a spoiler-filled film conversation. Hooray! Hello, who wants to watch a film and talk about it? Me! Me! Yeah, I'm your host, Richard Tarrant. No, not Richard Tarrant, just Richard. Hello. Uh, with me to enter into a... Oh, it's not a competition, guys. You're both through, and you get to talk about a film. Uh, Abby. Hello. And Anthony. Hello. So, to drop the stupid half-set-up premise that this is a game show, no, it's just a podcast where we talk about a film. That film this week was... Slumdog... Billionaire. <laughs> I couldn't remember what it's called. <laughs> Good start. I was like, I was half like, is it Street Rat Weakest Link or <laughs> what? Um, poor boy, Golden Balls. What was this show? Fifteen to Gypsy. What? Come again? Get Kaplunk? I don't remember. No, sorry. Yeah, Slumdog Millionaire. Slumdog Millionaire. That is the film. Anthony picked it, so he he'll fill you in. In case you don't remember the award-winning one-off film *Slumdog Millionaire* that did really well and lots of people watched back in two thousand and whenever. But anyway, Anthony, details go. I'd I'd quite like to watch whatever *Ghetto Kaplunk is. To be honest with you, <laughs> it's very it's very dirty. But when you win, you win big. Yeah. Oh, mm. uh, anyway, <laughs> so yeah, *Slumdog Millionaire*. Uh, was released in 2008 and is a British and Indian film uh, directed by Danny Boyle, uh, the director of such films as Trainspotting, Shallow Grave, The Beach, 127 Hours and The London Olympics, which I always like to mention. Um, written by Simon Beaufoy, who's the writer of uh, Full Monty, 127 Hours, Everest and uh, one of Abby's favourites, Blow Dry, um, adapted <laughs> <Hi>. from... The... <laughs> Uh, adapted from the book Q&A by Vikas Swarup. It tells the story of a lowly chayawala, or T-boy, Jamal, uh, who surprises everyone by being able to answer all the questions on the Indian version of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Accused of cheating, Jamal recounts his life story, showing how he knows all the answers and the real reason he's on the show in the first place. The film stars Dev Patel, Frida Pinto, Madhur Mittal... Anil Kapoor, Irfan Khan, and Ankur Vikal, as well as many other impronounceable names that I'm going to leave for now. I'm sure they're pronounceable to some people. Yes, but I, it's a bit That's early for me. To, <laughs> it's enough to be going with. It's that one. It's that Slumdog Millionaire. You know, that one. Not the other one from the 1940s that that came out. No, that, yeah, that, yeah, there's only one in there don't think there's any confusion this week with the name of the film. However, you know, it probably does have other titles. Uh, not the terrible ones I was half-guessing, but, you mm. know, I, they don't call it Slumdog Millionaire everywhere. I remember there being some controversy at the time by them using the word Slumdog, being very derogatory. Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't this crap reason that it... Oh, no, it's not derogatory, because it's uh, Slum Dweller combined with uh, underdog. underdog. And it's like, no, it isn't. It's just a cutesy 
name for scammy poor person who lives in like a shit urban area, isn't it? Like Yeah. And and the thing is it has like the word slum dog has now become like the word that people use just to describe Indian people. Or just, you know, little kids running around trying to scam you or you know, just a derogatory term. I, I assumed it existed before. Like I, I assumed like the film Aladdin didn't come up with the term street rat. Like it's just, you know, I assume they're just co- colloquialisms that get into popularity, and then, hmm. but no, it, it's if it popularised the phrase, I don't know. Is anyone does it? A few hurt feelings is only is only the the sum of it, isn't it? Really, I mean, a little if bit. You're, like, if, you're, was... if you're racist anyway, like if you're being horrible to all, do you know what I mean? Like it's not gonna. Hmm. You just don't. You don't need more words. But that's that's you know. true. It's it's just essentially given racist people an extra word to call. Indian people, <laughs> I suppose, but they they they're creative enough, racist, and they. Hmm. Um, There's a lot of like, essentially, I don't want to say false controversy about this at the time, but like controversy that really kind of went nowhere, um, and I, I I can't help but think that helped maybe with the film a little bit. I mean, you know, it's it's a decent enough film, um, but I can't help you. but think like the. Uh, like some of the controversy at the time maybe helped give it that little bit of push. Yeah, it, it certainly was in danger of not being a big theatre release, and then it sort of, I don't know, it got enough momentum, and then it sort of, with all things that get acclaim, it snowballed from a few people saying how good it was, or, you know, word, word of mouth critics' reviews and things, as usual. Um, but then you have to jump, there's a step between being thought of critically and then everyone who watches it talking about it as a kind of zeitgeist. It was very zeitgeisty. Yes. I, uh, and that, getting us into expectations, um, that's kind of why I avoided it. I, I heard about it before I'd seen a trailer. It was sort of talked about this kind of interesting film, you know, Danny Boyle directed like a film in India, and obviously Millionaire itself, the quiz show, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, that was huge in the yeah. old you know, uh, in, in fairness, it's like a good concept. Isn't it? It's it's your traditional quest. You answer trivia, but this time you win a fucking million, which is the, you know a huge chunk compared to like winning a car or a boat or a few grand on like catchphrase or something. You know, so like getting a holiday in a boat was the peak before, whereas like a million pounds or dollars or whatever else, you know, it's a big deal. So I get why it's called. Plus the tension. There was a lot of reasons why millionaire. Like, did, did you guys watch Millionaire? Yeah, when it when it was first a thing. Like, I think I pretty much watched until the first person won a million, and then it's like, oh, done now. <laughs> yeah, a lot of these quiz shows are really good initially, and then you, you get it, and you get used to it, and you can't watch anymore. That's how I feel about all quiz shows. I watch them for a bit, I go, oh, I see, deal or no deals like this, da 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 Yeah, I get it, I don't need your quasi-religious, like... Yeah, we're all, we're all a weird group of people wishing for things, and it, once it gets bizarre, I was like, no, it's just a format about odds. Yeah, yeah I, move, I move on from most quiz shows. And Millionaire was one of them. Abby, did you watch? Mm. Wants to be a millionaire. Yeah, it's one of those shows that was on just at the right time, probably like just after dinner, so we'd all watch it together because it was on. And a lot of people had the same thing. A lot of people at the time watched Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. So to make a film. You know, off the back of like, uh, you know, it's it's not just about that. So it's you know, it's obviously about one guy's unique little story connecting him to that show. Um, but 
because there was such you know uh, high praise, and then it won awards and stuff, and you know it was very zeitgeisty. And I went, nah, I don't know. I saw the trailer and I went, it's not for me. So I, at the time, passed it by as like, oh, it doesn't look like I'd be interested in this. Um, but I thought it might be a bit uh, sentimental, but actually it was more like fucking torture porn at times. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so I missed it the first time. Abby, what about you? Did you had you seen this before? No, I had a similar thing to you where I just sort of looked at the trailer and went, huh, no, thank you. What was it, it about just... the trailer that said, oh, not, not for you? Well, it's funny because the trailer sort of misled you into thinking there was some kind of whimsy, sure. which, which doesn't appeal to me. And then it turns out there was no whimsy, and that doesn't appeal to me either. So, Anthony, you put it forward. You've presumably seen it before. What were you wanting from this viewing? Yeah, I remember going to see it at the time in the cinema. Um, I I think I was probably the same as you guys. I was a bit like, well, mm, it's not doesn't really look like my cup of tea. But all the people I was living with in um, university at the time were very much, oh yeah, we need to go see it. We go to see it. So I think some of their excitement rubbed off on me, and um, I remember really enjoying the film um, when I saw it. But it's one of those films that, that was it. That was like that was the only time, I'd I'd ever thought about it afterwards as well. Um, I I liked the soundtrack. I remember I downloaded the soundtrack and I've listened to that a few times uh, over the years. But that's about it. So it's got that one I was... song I like uh, by MIA. I quite like their Paper Plane song. It's quite good. Mm. Um. But then I, I just I just started I thought about it again recently and it was very much no one really talks about this film anymore like you said just very much captured the zeitgeist and and then people went away um, so I just I felt yeah. like I wanted to revisit it see if it still held up and and see if it still um, offered something to an audience these days which I think it. It does, but it certainly has lost something um, since, like, 2008. Yeah, you think it perhaps lost something, but I guess we'll get to the root of what we think is up with it now, or then, or I don't know. Well, we can't say what we would have thought of it then. You can, we can't. Um, but obviously, slightly different set of eyes. It is odd that it, as you like, one of the reasons Jamie didn't do it, it was like, oh, Slumdog Millionaire, yeah, for our podcast this week and he was like yep and then he went to find it it's like oh it's not available in any mainstream places i don't have time to get it on dvd it was like oh just this highly acclaimed film not available on youtube or amazon or do you know what i mean like Hmm. netflix or whatever so oh (laughs) so it was just oh yeah i guess it is sort of faded out of people's sort of memory a bit which is weird to... because you know it did. It was a major success. It made a lot, a lot of money. Won eight Oscars. Eight, like um... a bag full of globes, all golden mm. and shiny. Yeah, um... I, I don't know where. I guess we would talk about the narrative, and we'll see what comes up a little bit. Uh, I know within the first thirty odd minutes. There's a lot of horrible things to get going. Like, <laughs> there is. It starts like, with 
it starts with like water boarding or water torture and then electric like like car battery being hooked up to the protagonist's toes like essentially we start with the torturing of a man who was on uh, or you know an 18 year old uh, t-boy in like a call center he's on a million who's he's you know either come close to winning or has won who wants to be a millionaire and he's being tortured by the police but it's like i mean is this <laughs> fucking hell guys and then it goes on to have like a little boy covered in shit <laughs> and, and, like they blind some children or a child it's like this is this is sore isn't it what's going on it does get a bit um torture porny a little bit in the uh, well poor porn i suppose it's like you know us wallowing in the misery of kind of like extremely poor people and the things they have to go through. There is there is a touch of that going on. You have to um, set the bar at harrowing so you can leap over it for the, the up, I guess, the, the kind of rejoiceful, hooray, they've overcome yes, a because, life of horror and torture. Because you're right, by, by the end it's supposed to be like a, a feel-good film where there's a nice big happy ending and a big dance number at the end. Which I, which I, I kind of get. It's, it's kind of influenced by, um, you know, kind of Bollywood cinema. Both kind of like the look and the feel and the cinematography and and the, the romance and yeah. the drama, high drama, the melodrama, yeah. yeah. But uh, Abby, I, I feel like you early on were giving hints before we well, before we were on the podcast here that you found it a bit. I don't know what you put into words. I would guess. There are several things I don't like in a film. One of them is um, about torture. Children, I don't like. Aww. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, uh, pits of shit. Not oh, come on. on. That's <laughs> the best bit of the film. <laughs> it, it, was, it wasn't awful in a... Um, it was really because the the torture elements are you know they're not all that graphic they're just things that are happening are awful um but with the with the early on bit where a kid jumps into a cesspit of other people's shit you know i mean we'll get into the story element of that but when you cover a child in you know peanut butter and chocolate and say look he's covered in shit isn't this disgusting and uplifting it's like nah it's just someone covered in the excrement of hundreds of people it's not it's not it's not life affirming at all only because the way they kind of filmed it made it quite clear he could have easily climbed over rather than go under yeah. just put, but, put your back it, into opening the door like but i don't know i, I kind of think it was one of the best moments because it had such I, it, it got such a strong reaction out of me that uh like it was both disgust and humor uh, just, I don't know, it's a nice moment, I thought. There's then, but then it also goes, like, they are thieving little toe rags, and I don't like that in a film either. Yeah, it's it's weird, because you, the underdog element of this, okay, so we've got, like, three characters throughout the film, essentially, and they start, there's three ages of these characters, so it's, uh, Jamil is the protagonist who's on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, and then his brother, his older brother, he's the literal brothers or are they figurative brothers? They're literal brothers. Like so, you, there, there is a scene where you see their mother being 
like bludgeon to death. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Because what we need in a how did how did you know this bit of trivia? I guess it's the part the gimmick of the film is this um, you know not very well educated young man from the slums of India is on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, and it, he knows a lot of the answers. And every time we find out, how does he know the answer? How did he come across this uh, this little you know bit of information? And then there'll be some tragic reason why. Oh well, what I I remember what the whatever God in whatever religion like what was is it um one of the early questions is a fairly like reasonable question about what item does a certain God have in its hand or whatever. Uh, I don't know. Is it is it Muslim or like I actually would be would be better if I wasn't so ignorant myself. I'm um... I'm not so sure, but I I'd assume that it's the Hindu god because um... of the context of the violence and things. Yes, exactly. So th- this is this is it, right? So one of the sort of things that sums up what they're going for as the movie is so. Oh, how did you know the answer to what the god was holding? Well, if I remember when I was a child and my mother was brutally murdered in a anti-Muslim riot in the in the slums. So like loads of like viol- like presumably people on the streets were just murdering people who were Muslims, and like there's like the boys are having a bath in like some slightly grubby water. And their mum's there, and she gets smashed in the face with a metal bar by just some rioting anti-Muslim people. And the boys go running. So their mother's brutally murdered, and they just come across a little boy covered like in blue paint, dressed up to look like this god. And he's holding a bow and arrow, and that's the answer. And it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, but why, though? <laughs> why did the why why was, why... boy? Yeah. <laughs> I mean... I get it, like, okay, traumatic instances have led to him being able to answer this quiz. The whole thing's kind of about serendipity and, uh, like, the idea of fate. But it's like, oh, you go through you go through all these horrible tragedies and it gives you the right piece of trivia to get through to the next round. And it's just... But there's, no, there's also no reason to have this little uh, dressed-up child in the, one of the streets they run down. So it isn't that well written in. There's, there's another one where it's, like, about poetry... It's like, what, who was the poet who wrote whatever the thing was? And then, like, Indian Fagan comes and kidnaps a bunch of... <laughs> kidnaps a bunch of children to become, like, part of his begging gang. Like, he's got a... He, make, he gives food to poor children, this criminal, so that they go out begging and making money. And then he even takes it further, where he does, a, like, a little X-Factor challenge where he makes them sing. And if they're good at singing, he blinds them to make them even better buskers or beggars. And you're like, what? The? So you got tortured by a like half paedophile crime lord and that gives you... I don't I didn't even see how that got you the poem. Do you know what I mean? Like, how did you find out the author of a poem from that? What oh, because that, that's, that was, that's the song that they had to sing. Ah, okay. They had to Which, try yeah. out... Like uh, there's a lot of things like because of their they're part of like the Indian culture like um, like we don't quite get like uh, like um, I think the first question was who is the star of this film? It's like well we don't know because it's not a mainstream you know Hollywood film and and stuff like that and I think that's you know kind of the thing one of the things that's kind of lost to a more worldwide audience. I think 
I mean, I get the premise. The easy questions are at the start of Millionaire, and at the end they get a bit harder, so it's more suspicious <laughs> that you have the answer. Although I do have a problem with the final question. As thematically relevant as it is, it is mm. not a million-dollar question. But we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Sure. As you say, though, like um, the scene that initiates... Uh, you Because know, this is the thing, Abby, you were talking about the fact that they're little scam artists. The, mm. uh, I, didn't, I didn't even get to say who the characters were. So it's uh, Jamil, Salim, the older brother, and then Latika is the the sort of love interest of uh, Jamil, and she is sort of part of the group. I mean, she's in the story throughout, but she's more of a sort of victim of the shitty older brother. And uh, it's kind of about you know one brother spoiling the life of the younger one. And ruining his potential to make a friend, uh, or and or lover, and just authoring his life and making it worse, even though it'd be shit anyway. Like it's it's just kind of about two boys, one of which is one evil brother, one pleasant brother, and like them being stuck together for a long time, kind of because Salim, the nasty one, is manipulating. Every, even at a young age, he's a massive cunt about everything. Mm. So the first scam we see, or whatever, is there's all these weird toilets that are out on stilts. I don't. Does anyone understand how to describe these weird sheds that you shit into a hole in? Well, they're just makeshift toilets. I mean, what's to say? But I guess but, that's that's an outhouse. Yeah, I, but it's just a hole as well. So you may as well not. I mean, whatever. Let's not get into worrying about the differences in toilet culture. Well, you don't, you don't want to be, like, shitting all over the, your streets, do you? You know, you kind of... it's Even though it's still quite grim, you still want to do it in one place. Like, you don't want poo so you walk. It's going to be insanitary. No. Yes. So, anyway, you, you the idea is you go along the little, uh, I don't know, pier to the <clears> shed, and you pay a little boy <laughs> to let you in. Because he's a bouncer of the toilet. You pay your small amount of money and then they let you have a shit over a hole. And uh, Jamil is in there having a bit of a hard time going. And there's a customer come and then his brother is like, you're a dick, you have to let him in. We're not going to make any money. And because he's annoyed about that, when uh, a famous, like a helicopter goes over, they all seem somehow know it's a celebrity. The guy from the first question, like a big Hollywood uh, movie star action movie guy or whatever and so his helicopter goes over and then the dick brother like locks him in the toilet and he he's so excited about getting the autograph he jumps into a big pile of shit and holds his little photograph aloft takes it to the crowds gets through the crowds presumably they park as he smells and Hmm. uh the nice movie star man who we don't see signs his photograph and that's how he knows the first question Who's the famous Indian actor in the film? Yes. A bit and of trivia. Think... That act- the actual actor was is the original host of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire in India. So what, the actor went on to be the host or the host played the actor? The actor went on to be the host. Yeah, because the guy who hosts Who Wants to Be a Millionaire in this story is like a guest contestant at some point who they cast to be the host or something is that uh, something I read but the guy with a like slightly boy George it, not boy yep. George slightly George Michael George look, Michael like, yeah yeah the sort of little earring like slightly shiftier looking 
George Michael from India is the horse. He's, he's sort of um, slightly smarmy and slightly charming. He's, he's like a caricature of a, of a TV presenter in many ways. The, the thing I had that was a proper qualm, because it's like, uh, maybe you do, maybe you don't like the jumping in the shit bit. The host of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire in India in this story is a negative character because he is he looks down upon the guests, which I don't know why the, the host of the show would care about the guests other than being nice so that the show looks good. So like I'm trying to I'm trying to imagine like if Chris Tarrant in Britain would have been backstage going, You should fucking you should quit there, mate, while you're ahead and then giving him the wrong answer in the bathroom because he doesn't want to be shown up by someone trying to work. like there's a just when 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 the kids would want a lot there's a kind of confrontation in the bathroom between him and the horse that he's like, uh, fucking just draw the right answer that you don't know on the wall and gives him the wrong answer and it's t- that creates a, a villain out of this horse. And it's like, what what are you on about? It does he does give his excuses later while saying because uh, he, he feels like he's stealing his limelight and attention because, because he also... Like he says, like only one other person has done what you're doing now has come from nothing, and has you know risen to you know this status, and that was him. So he feels like he's like Jamal is stealing his limelight. But what what threat is he? He's like a gormless young man who has no emotions or expressions other than like bewildered. Well, like, he's big, hardly going to be bigger, replacing it, him as a horse. Like it is bigger than that, though. They do go into like the. The idea that you know everyone loves the show because it's it's the dream, isn't it? It's the it's the instant fame, money, and the, your instant ticket out of like the slums, and that and that's kind of like backed on later on when he's going back to answer the last question and everyone's like cheering him on and and stuff well, like all, that. All the anonymous people in the film are happy and cheerful and, and are rooting for him. Every person that has character development is evil. They either torture, they're either corrupt policemen who ignore crimes, or actively torture people. Like there's hardly any people we actually get, you know, two words out of that aren't awful. It's very much like Aye. Indian Indian Dickens the movie. Like it's Oliver Twist, but in <laughs> India, two thousand. You know, it is a bit Charles Dickens. <laughs> Um, I think that's a bit unfair with the police officers. They're just kind of doing their job to Tor- as far torturing as, a child. As far as far as they as far as they know, he is breaking the law and and therefore waterboard the prisoner. That's yeah, yeah, no, that's that's their methods. They leave him go once you know they find out. You know, what can they do? I mean, they can be struck off the police force to you know someone. well. What planet are you on where torturing is normal police procedure? It's not the 50s. Yeah. I, um, I'm a realist. Wait. This stuff happens. No, it doesn't. No, no it doesn't. They're waterboarding someone for cheating on a quiz. For suspected cheating. Like the pull of the pull of the Chris Tarrant of India is he could just package off the, the contestant and send them to the police to be tortured. And they did investigate it. I mean, it did, there was cheating on who wants to be a millionaire in Britain, and it was investigated by the yeah, police. Yeah, that's Britain, like, you know. India isn't, like, exempt from human rights as much as there are more human rights problems in other countries. Like, it's, I'm sorry, it's, like, clearly I'm... vilifying. Where it, you know, needn't. So you say bad things never happen in the world. I'm saying the host of a quiz show has no, like, I mean, they, you're right. They, the film justifies it as he's a jealous dickhead, 
who doesn't want other people in his limelight. But the man's a fool. Like he has well, yeah. next, like but everyone's a fucking cunt in this film. Like all the regular adults are just awful in some way. And and the other thing that ties into the how millionaire as a quiz show works, they do not like obviously when you have a someone could win a million, it's a good idea as a producer to sh- stop the show there and then have the next bit air the next night. So in the film, it provides an opportunity for them to take the guy aside, see if he's cheating. You know, he gets tortured, and eventually, you know, they believe him and they send him back, and he's allowed to do the million. You know, the quest, the final question. So, but you know, in reality, they batch record them all, and they wouldn't like they'd make you change your t-shirt and stuff so you look like you're doing Are we the next day. Applying real life logic to films again, Rich. Oh, I, is Millionaire an actual show? Yes. Is this using that as the premise for the whole story? Yes. You can't have someone have a whole day where they, they don't film it live. It's pre-recorded. There's no like, you you just everyone puts so you clothes prefer, and makeup. You'd prefer if they actually went through the exact logical, boring procedure of how it would work, rather than just you know getting I'm, it out as like filmically as all films do. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I feel I feel like you're applying a fault to this film that should also be applied to other films that you wouldn't apply this fault to. No, no, you no. See what no. I mean? Like the this film treats millionaires if it's a show that everyone watches, which it is, it was. And fair enough, you won't cast. You might not have the exact actors playing who they are. I'm not saying asking pure realism, but a TV show format. They all. If one person's doing the quiz, they don't stop. And have a break the whole day. They literally film one person. They probably do three days and like they do loads of contestants, and then they get Rich, them Rich, and... Rich, 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 Rich. Yeah, we can. What you're saying is correct. Yes. You don't know if this is the last batch of the day. They would finish. Facts. Also, <laughs> it's a film, and you kind of have to give leeway to stuff like this because it wouldn't work in a film if they did that. And therefore, rewrite your script so it makes sense. I don't think it's a of problem. All for you to pick on. Well, what I know, Abby, you're not a massive fan of this. So why don't you suggest something that is a reasonable thing to criticise, or be you know celebrated if you want? It's more this. I can't remember what that phrase is for it, but like in gay cinema. When there are a disproportionate number of people who are gay, because it's you're sounding gay. a little homophobic, but you mean just that when you're doing a piece of you know gay cinema, like that, it's because it's about that a lot. If the, the majority of the world is gay, so because it's all like on point with where the film is, what the film's trying to do. Is that what you mean? Yeah, and and in this you get a general sense that. There are zero good people in the world. Zero. <laughs> but but then how is that, say, different from a Charles Dickens novel? That's exactly the same. Everyone is horrible, and then the protagonist comes out good in the end. That's... Who said that? But... Who said I like Charles Dickens? <laughs> I'm just saying. But... I'm guessing he has more of a pass in your mind than this film does. Yeah, I like but all it... of the twists. No, but what I was going to say is I don't necessarily think they did enough redemptive stuff to make the protagonist not a horrible person. The only thing we saw is that after he was a thief, a con artist, 
He works in the kitchen and then a call centre. Anyone who wants to win a mi- who wants to be a millionaire, I'm like, I'm not getting good sense that you're actually nice. But I'm getting a sense ca- that that you work in the kitchen and then a call centre. Ah, like, but he doesn't care about money. All he cares about is the well-being of the woman he fancies. You see, so all of the times he's not, he doesn't care about winning the money, and he doesn't, he's not a very selfish person. And he go kind of, even though he's bullied by his brother to go along with things, he doesn't, you know. You know, he's sort of submissive enough. So he's sort of pleasant through not being an arsehole compared to his brother. And he's not materialistic. And he's a tr- he's truthful. Like, part of the thing is, when people ask him... When, I, when people ask me questions, I give them answers. Hilarious. So he's, he's, also... he's, he's meant to be nice because he's not awful like everyone in the film. Mm. But he's, su- he's super passive as well. Yeah, obviously they're suggesting he's not very well educated. But... Part of the comedy is meant to be so he's winning a millionaire. Uh, he's winning who wants to be a millionaire, and every reaction he has is like he's staring into space or, or is a bit nervous or like he isn't rejoicing. He's just staring, like as it you know it's just weird. Like that is one of my big criticisms of the film was yeah, like um, like Dev Patel. Like most of his performance has been you know. Um, uh, lauded and uh, given like accolades, but I I just found it a little bit too much, staring into space uh, passively, mm. uh, w- like wide like wide mouthed. Uh, there was a little bit too much of that for me. Um, I get what you're saying, though, Abby, about it. But I feel like when you take it all into account, the kind of life he's been through, there's not much better outcomes for him than what he what he gets at the end you know he does he has left behind the life um he has he is trying to like get a job and he's working it as hard as he can and and he's still got you know a latica in the back of his mind um and ah, and you're right this... and and I think you're right rich because you have him partnered with Salim the whole way he just because Salim is just so uberly terrible you just you just are on the side of Jamal. Yeah, you've, he's no, a no, victim, no, 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 no. He is, yeah, victim. He's the, but isn't he the? Wasn't he the one who's standing next to the sign in the Taj Mahal, and they asked him for a tour? Wasn't that Jamal? I mean, him and Salim go and do all these scams together. Well, he's complicit. Yes, you know? but <laughs> if you think he about it, they're both to deceive those people. But they're both orphaned children. Um, no, no, there's a difference homeless. between stealing food to feel, feed yourself and actively deceiving tourists for money. But then if you think about it, did those tourists' experience, would that have been any different to what it would have been if they were given a proper tour? Yeah, it would have been factually accurate. Well, like, yeah. Would it? <laughs> I don't know, I haven't had a tour. You're very you're very pessimistic about India for someone trying to say how good this film is. Like, what? Of course, the, the people who give you a tour around... Like the Taj Mahal will give you a, a as, but as accurate don't... a historical predict, you know. But I don't you... understand. Like they they could have, they could have just stolen the money, but they didn't. They kind of conned it out. They which lied, is, which is slightly That's better than just than just stealing from someone. No, it isn't. <laughs> what are you on about? How is being conned better than just having your money stolen? 
Well, you, you you wasted your vacation. You didn't learn anything. You got misled, and you feel negative it, about it. It's country. like a magic trick, then, isn't it? You you don't feel no. so bad if you've been tricked by a magic trick. What planet do you live on? I don't know. I just feel like it's being really unfair. It's like, well, yes, okay. of course. <laughs> like, yes, they're 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 trying to make ends meet the best way they can. But like, they, you know, they're orphaned. They're like eight-year-old children in the slums. Um... I feel you're being slightly harsh. <laughs> like I feel you're living in a dream world. What are you on about? <laughs> it's not so much that, like, when they were kids, they made decisions that were based on kid logic. I get yeah, that. They're not Which they right? still were at the time, at, well, at the Taj Mahal. But my problem is that they didn't do anything to properly get over that he was a better person later. They didn't, they like, got a job, other than... I guess. Yeah, he got a job twice. He got, he got shot of his brother just... a bit, you know, like he did try. But I don't, but my, my point is, I don't think they made him bad enough to need that much redemption. Okay, he does suffer a lot, but let me take you through a laundry list of a few things quickly, right? Because don't, we don't want to dwell on everyone and argue about everyone, but, and then maybe some of them are justifiable as survival and all this and, uh, and things, but so... Early on, they're being exploited by a gangster. So it's fair enough. They're tricked. They're naive little children. There's a really evil Fagan who keeps a begging ring of children that he... I don't I don't even understand why there's this man who runs, like, the the scams of children. I, 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 like, I mean, maybe he has other businesses, but one element is a man grooms children to be beggars that he takes a cut of, like they're some sort of weird prostitutes. It also raises them to become, like, like uh, is it uh, Latika's being raised to be a virgin prostitute and sold hmm. as well later on in the story? But anyway, so that's horrible, and they do that because they're being exploited. So the begging scams, that's a buy. Their mum has been murdered brutally. That's, you know, get, let's give them the benefit of the doubt here. But what they escape when they realise, like when their friends gets blinded after being a good singer, they they run away, and then proper dick move from Salim. Uh, Latika is running; they're all running for the train to escape from the gangsters, and Salim has her hand on the train and is pulling her up, and then lets go because he's selfish and just, I guess, wants his brother and him just to be a duo, and is jealous and is like so. It's a proper heel turn. It's not just oh, I've locked my brother in the shit house. And then I've sold his autograph. This is he commits. Then isn't it? It's like, oh, this guy's a fucking cunt, and he and he's a little kid. So it's you should be watching the film going, oh fuck, oh look at his little face. I'll punch it in the face. You know? Did you guys feel equally pissed off about that? Of course. Sure. Abby, was this like a bloody Salim? Right? Everyone should be feeling that by now. Yeah. At every point, Salim is a dick. Yeah. At every point. It's a bit, it's a bit thin when they re- try and redeem him a little. But yeah, that's it a, is bit a little later. bit. <laughs> but just the other things, right? So from this point on, the two boys are on the train, and they they kind of have an argument, but they essentially live on the train for a bit, um, and start a, a montage of scams. So they're like selling stuff, they're pickpocketing. At one point, they're hanging off the outside of the train to nick some bread. And then I, I kind of question, okay, so children are trying to nick bread from a, like a buffet cart on a train. But who, like the middle-aged dad of the family is like trying to throttle him through the window for stealing like, you know, like a thin piece of bread. And it's just like, I get, 
I mean, there's a kid dangling on the outside of the train. Never mind the bread. You should probably I want to rescue qu- the child, though. I want a quick point about this. When they fell off that train, they fucking died. They were yeah. fine. <laughs> One of them landed on his neck. Not fine. Dead. Well, sure. Sure, maybe. <laughs> but they, they enter into... They enter into a, a bunch of scams. And though Salim is a bully and a manipulator, you know, is his own man. You know, like his... Um, Jamil is his own guy. He doesn't have to like commit crime to survive. What's his alternative? Like leave the. What's his alternative as a ten-year-old orphaned street child? Uh, Admittedly, he's he probably doesn't have the intellect to find uh, social services or an orphanage where you could be entered into like something, get some foster parents. Well, exactly. Uh, They think of his last experience of. Of like the orphan bus coming around, it, it they came around and wanted to blind him because he was a good singer. That's his experience okay. of of orphanages. Fair, fair enough. As we move on, they fall off the train at that point. As Abby said, they they live despite the fall, and happen to be by the Taj Mahal, where opportunistically they start getting into scamming the people there. So they're nicking shoes. They're giving false tours where they lie about stuff to naive tourists. Uh, they there's a point where they they sort of after a while they're leading people around and then a bunch of kids come and nick from the car. Is that their scam or is that like just something that happens? I assume they must be Im- implicated in the scam because they need to get the people away from sure. the car. So they're they're you know thieves and con artists. It, at the Taj Mahal, they're, they run off by the security occasionally, but seem to make enough of a living nicking shoes and selling them, and uh, conning people out of their car parts and money. Um, so, to me, you know, negative. But I, you know, I, I take your point. It's sort of like, oh, what's the alternative? But well, what, the, what about? The, the, do you have sorry. these feelings? Do you have these feelings for Oliver Twist? Like he's he's oh, in the oh, exact same boat. Like he's just yeah, fallen twi- fallen in with the wrong crowd and doesn't really know what to do. And you know yeah, like he's apple- quite oh, passive Twist. as well. But Oliver Twist ends while he's still a boy. Well, he, well, Jamal's um, life Jamal of crime ends when too. he's a, like when he's a boy. But then he's. <sighs> like as soon as he's faced with um the the most extreme of it. Where his brother kills someone, like that's like that's his last, you know. He's he's too affected by that and kind of like has to leave. Well, he doesn't have Oliver to leave. Twist... Bro... Sorry, one. Oliver Twist fights it more. All, almost all the stuff that Oliver Twist does is under duress. Some mm-hmm. stuff he actively does himself. But then uh, you say that I don't see he has another choice, personally. Okay. Right. Well, the not to reveal Oliver Twist because it's a different thing. I would say Oliver Twist is slightly annoying how much of a puss he is, mm. but his one thing, he's always an innocent moralistic young man and there are times where I guess he is bullied into crimes, but he's kind of too it's it's very similar it is very similar, I take Anthony's point I will give Oliver Twist more of the time of day uh, and it is a very it's a parallel story, I mean Swap winning a quiz for inheriting a father who who's a millionaire or whatever, or really rich in that time period but um I think there's a case to be made for 
uh, Jamil being good because he does leave, but he Salim is is like the thorn of his every time he has a chance to either hook up with the woman he wants to rescue. Like that's the other thing, he actively wants to go back and find Latika, where Salim poo-poos that at every turn and thwarts him. So he cares about another person. So that's another tick in his box. And also, when he when they get together later, and and then it goes as far as murdering the gangster that raised them initially, like he Salim pulls a gun when they're all together and happy potentially Salim bullies him out with a gun like he doesn't leave because he's had enough of crime he leaves because he's going to get shot and uh he's sort of the woman he fancies says you should go it's you know to save his life I suppose so basically his brother's a dick and he can't put up with it anymore not he morally decides because because this is another laundry list item once he's working in the call center he uses the call center computers to search for like Salim and and uh, Latika on the system, and so he's not doing his work. He's mooching off of someone's computer and using like the computers to find out. Like he's using it for personal use. Come on, do your job. Really? Serve teas. Yeah. Really? Yeah, That's what time. you're latching onto. <laughs> he's doing big someone. Time. He's doing someone a favor by watching uh, their computer for five minutes. And then, you know, decides to try and find his long-lost brother. Yeah. Terrible. What a terrible guy. <laughs> yes, he is. He should be... And he's not, it's not his long-lost brother he loves. It's a horrible bully that ruined his life at every turn. And he's only trying Still to find him to find his... Yeah. Well, he doesn't... He, you know, All right, whatever. then. Address this. I think half of my problem with not really buying into the whole redemption thing is that Jamal is incredibly boring. Is boring and Oliver Twist also quite boring as, as well. I will give you that. I feel like they did uh, amp up the passiveness to make him more well, not more, but less um, implicated in things. If you and see also, what I mean. which it wasn't, maybe wasn't the best decision. Yeah, I thought he's meant to partly work as an avatar where you feel. Through him, you feel, mm. oh, that's, it's horrible what's happened to him. And you want him to try him because you're hopefully, you know, experiencing the film and seeing what happens to him and relating to it and being, what would I do? And I think most of the time you should feel sorry for him. But he's not much of a character. He's good because he cares about someone. But really, the, th- the third character, uh, Latika, is not very developed either. So Salim is, I'm a dick all the time, selfish. It gives you some character, jealous, you're controlling of your brother and a dick. Your brother is naive, and but you know he's younger and he, you know he's a victim. But then Latika is a very passive, nice girl. Like she's the the actors who play her, like it's like innocent and pleasant. But who is she? She's not a person. She's just. A, a, again, a victim of the circumstance. She's raised by a, a criminal to be a prostitute. She's eventually living with a rival gang gangster as like a, I don't know, was she a maid or like a lover or like what's the idea with when she lives in the other gang's house? Yeah, she's I assume of, she's just like, but become like the, the girlfriend of the boss, but like which... a used kind of prostitute housemaid type person. Yeah, and. Yeah, and uh, and this is I think why I think it's lost something since like it's um since its release. And when I was watching it this time, I was very aware of how 
how basic everything really is. It is very much the basic story, you know. Um, yeah. And, like, this film has been done a lot, many times, and really the only thing it has going for it is the kind of, like, aesthetic that it has, like, um, how it borrows the the from, like, from Bollywood kind of, like, cinematography and um, its style and making it a very, making it a very accessible film for a wider audience. This is kind of like a gateway for people to get into kind of Indian cinema, if you see what I mean. I think one of the things I do like about the visual style is it's got it's almost like a Bourne film at times when the kids are running through alleyways and it's very beautifully shot and it's using you know the slum areas all can like it's full of people and walls and just rubbish and like there's so many angles and shots and little throughs and it's beautifully directed and it's got a kind of uh, blue and orange palette a lot of the time to the cinematography which I think maybe could even tie in with the graphics of uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire because they're very you know blue and orange so it, it feels beautiful while being a, filming a slum hmm. like you know there's the only other film I can think of that's like that is like um, City of God has a similar sort of aesthetic and approach to thrills but like I like I like what they did with the action sequences they weren't you know, there was it was a very nice varied palette, and again, like you could see the borrowing from the the melodrama of, of like what you're saying about Bollywood. But you know, some of the good aspects of Bollywood are in there while still being modern and and not this slightly out of touch, strange parody of Hollywood, Hollywood that sometimes Bollywood films are, and it it generally stays the same genre, which is I guess feel good Dickensian nightmare. Is <laughs> it is now. So I liked aesthetically the film a lot of the time, and I hmm. think the child actors at the various ages are doing a pretty good job of playing the roles they're given. Just they're not very substantial roles, especially, you know, I think Latika. Like, why does she? He, Jamil loves Latika because she's beautiful and not re- repellent. But all she is is a beautiful as she gets older. I mean, they are essentially, probably not the best way to put it, but like brother and sister, you know, they've got that bond. They're friends, but what? But who is she as a person? She's no one. She's like this nothing shell character because she's abused. She's like an abused victim with no personality. Like, she watches Have I Got News For You. Not Have I Got News For You. She might watch that. <laughs> she, I've forgotten the name of the thing we keep saying. She watches uh, Who Wants To Be A Millionaire while doing kitchen work for the gangster that uh, Salim ties his colours to the mast of. I guess we could talk about that as well. Um, Abby, what do you think of the... Sorry, I'm all over the shop. <laughs> I, she's a bit two-dimensional. They're all a bit flat because it's melodrama, right? But, Abby, do you, do you like any of the visual action, the thrills, the, the look of the piece rather than maybe the content? I did, but I can't say it's anything particularly like stuck out for me. I would just describe it as competently made yeah the occasional flourisher in there but yeah and i I think like um again another thing that's kind of been lost over like the last decade is i feel like that was new and fresh at the time but uh, it has become much more ingrained in cinema so we're much more used to it so revisiting it now it doesn't seem so spectacular Mm. um so in regard, like the the thing that happens, I guess uh, that's significant to the the story is 
uh, Salim upon like you know, they they all try and meet up again. They they find like a the blind kid grown up a bit, and they give him like uh, one of the questions tying it back to millionaire. You see, is who's on the hundred dollar bill? And at some point, uh, Jamil decides to give his old blind uh, friend a hundred dollar bill, and they have a little sniff and a chat about who's on it. And it's like, oh right, and that gets him the next bit of money and stuff. And that leads them to being able to hook up with Latimer again, and like a little while they're a bit older, and then that's how the the, the gangster who like the Indian Fagan finds them, but then is shot by Salim, and it's like that's you know a pivotal moment in terms of Salim's character, I suppose, isn't it? But I think you mentioned before, Rich, that he doesn't. Like, he gets a weird redemption at the end, which is, doesn't really feel deserved. Well, nope. his, his decision at that point... So they killed the guy who... Like, it's, it's kind of fair play. You're like a weird gangster who, you know, uses children and blinds them. You're pretty terrible. So you can die, you can be killed, and that's like, you know... we ha- They had to kill him in a way, so he stops coming after them, you could say. It's also, you know, fair play because of how heinous a criminal he is. And then Salim decides, well, the best thing to do to protect myself, my brother, maybe, or whatever, is to, like, he's willing to kill, so maybe he goes to the unestablished rival gangster that we then establish. He goes and, you know, pulls a gun on some criminals that could potentially set him up to be in the gang. And then, like, I guess the rival criminal is impressed with the balls on this kid and gives him a place as, like, a, you know, a kind of... I don't know, a lieutenant in the gang eventually. Like he's like a little run around hitman type guy, we think. He's mm. he's working as a as a criminal professionally, but he's kind of dismissed his own brother and ruined the relationship again. And everyone's kind of moved on yeah. from then. And, and that's what he needs redemption for. Like I don't want to say we don't really care about him, <clears throat> you know, being a criminal. But he mm. needs, that's that's what he needs to redeem, the way he's been, he's treated his brother and uh, Latika. Rather than, yeah. you know, being, you know, murdering someone who might or might not have deserved it and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, because, you know, essentially they go, like, we don't fully appreciate what's happened to Latka. We know that Latka and Salim are potentially still in the same crime organisation in different roles. So in the female housekeeping prostitute role and then the, you know, gangster role. But they work for this guy. He's a bit of a dick. He enjoys cricket and he gets a bad sandwich. There's not much else to say about him. Um... But, you know, with exploiting his, I I guess, with him appropriately using the computers to look for his friends in a break that he was already allowed. He used his break where he's covering for someone to find out, you know, by calling up Salim on the, like, I guess he looks in the database of numbers they have, tries, dials a few and gets him. And so he finds out where Latika is by finding Salim, getting to punch him in the face and tell him he's a dick and I'm not listening to you, even though you manipulate my life at every turn. And then he has an awkward moment of, I love you, and I've broken into, well, I've conned my way into this gangster's house to say hello, hello. And then, you know, appropriately, he's told to piss off because he can't make good sandwiches. You know, he makes that <laughs> one last. <laughs> I just want to know how he managed to fuck up a sandwich. What did he do? I don't know, because when it, when they showed him making it, it I, he did seem to be putting some weird things in there. Bit of Branson pickle, like lettuce. peanut butter, lettuce. 
ham. It's like, is that going to work? <laughs> yeah. Clearly it didn't. <laughs> also, it's the guy's fault uh, for not ordering an actual sandwich. If someone says, can I have a sandwich? you got to say what's in it. And you, like, you, know, you don't have to work in Subway to know that you at least need to stipulate the feeling. <laughs> so, yeah, but like he makes this awkward connection with her again. And, suggest- and basically sets up this idea, I'll wait for you every day. Never make an arrangement where every day I'll wait at the same place. Because guaranteed, the one day you try and turn up and you can't make it is the day the other person comes. Mm. But he makes this arrangement, <laughs> like, go to the station every day at five or whatever. And she can't because she's, cause she's passively going along with this crime because she d- doesn't know how to escape it. And she'll be murdered if she leaves, I guess. It's all very implied... I can't leave my life of prostitution because bad men are holding me captive. Um, but uh, one opportunity is all you need to run away, I guess. <laughs> Who knows? But that's the idea. So this is the the thing that is a bit weird as well is Jamal's idea. He doesn't think I'll just go on a millionaire to be a millionaire. He's like, oh, she watches Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. I'll get on to that. So he phones up, gets through, through his call center sort of dialing thing. So he's on. He gets onto it. He obviously wins by having every question be related to a harrowing thing that happened to him. And he's just staring vacantly because, because all he wants is for his like the woman he fancies to see him on it and be like, "Hello, come meet me. I'm famous and I'm, I'm possibly going to be a millionaire." But he doesn't even care if he wins. Like he's just. Yeah, because that, cause at that point, he's lost her, isn't he? Because they've moved away somewhere. Yeah. So he's not hes not brilliant for plans, and he doesn't mm. give a fuck about winning. When he does eventually, like, the police buy his stories, he thwarts the evil Chris Tarrant of India. Uh, <laughs> doesn't, go, doesn't go for his awful ruse to, like, this dick move of this guy to, like, give him the wrong answer when he's not sure. And you know they they do some nice moments where they use like the gimmick of the game show occasionally, like early on one of the easy questions he doesn't know, so he has to like ask the audience or whatever. And then they try and play it so you forget that he has a call a friend, and then he calls his brother. His only phone number is his brother, you see. And uh, at that point, I guess this is perhaps that you can talk about the redemptive arc here of Salim because Salim has given his phone and some keys to uh, Latka for no reason because he feels sorry all of a sudden, is that right? I suppose it's very much out of the blue Um, That's feeling sorry from her And it it, yeah, it it seems very out of character Like I, I, I feel like they didn't quite set up it enough. I feel like there's a scene missing where he where he comes to some sort of conclusion or feels guilty or something. There's a there's two things in it to suggest his motivation. One is uh, doing his Muslim praying stuff at midway through the film. And you go, oh, Salim is still despite being a murderous criminal, he's also a devout Muslim because he does his little pray thing. And at the end, when he kills him, when he gets killed, he says God is great, and it's like, so I guess he, bit of a religious thing, was it, or, you know, I notice that. Say, I will say it's a pretty cool way to go out, though, being shot in a bath of money. Why? So I guess they wanted to have the visual of money because because Jamil wins, 
and he doesn't get you don't see him with the money you don't see him buying fancy things uh or anything he just sits all sad in the train station as usual but so we wanted that visual where we see the money and so to get round it they had salim nick it from the gangster he works for and fill a bath for some reason i'd assume it's his own money that he's earned whilst working for the dude, I don't know. Um, oh, that's too much. But of it, yeah, I, th- I think you've got it right. They, it, it's it's the the dichotomy between the two. You have Salim, who is, you know, greedy. He wants the money. He wants the power. He wants the 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 influence. And then you have Jamal, who who is just kind-hearted and doesn't really care about the money over more love. And then, I think I think you're right. It it is there to just you know for for the dichotomy all that money even though um, Jamal is the one who has won all the money kind of thing Abby what did you make of this bath full of money symbolic I'm going to sit here till I get found out and shot and shoot the guy thing well at no point did we think he was the clever one Mm. no he literally put himself in a corner in a seated position and then opened fire where they could exactly shoot him. I think he perhaps felt remorseful. Maybe it was like a suicidal thing where he felt like trapped yeah, in his own I bad think, decisions. I think that's what they were trying to kind of get across where he's kind of like... He, he feels like this is his redemption for everything bad he's done. He deserves to kind of like go out in a blaze of glory kind of thing. And I think he's kind of sort of accepted it, um, but it I just I it. I just don't buy it that much. That's all. That's that's my slight problem. Mm. So it, well, he's while this is going on as well, he's not found out that he's done anything to betray the guy. Basically, because uh, Jamil needs to forward a friend, and his uh, potential future girlfriend picks up, says she's safe, doesn't know the answer to this particularly relevant musketeers related question that we haven't you know the, the early on in the film she, he's like well she could be the third musketeer then the the last question is about the musketeers and who's the third one and he doesn't know and she doesn't know and salim couldn't be got because he's busy filling a bath of money and but yeah she's gone free has his phone she realizes it, there's a bit of tension and like oh will she get to the phone in time and it, it's more just to say she's fine and because she answers the phone, this gangster realises, oh, she's gone, and therefore I've been betrayed by Salim. I should pop to my bathroom and murder him. Uh, like, I don't, like, it's kind of like, it's a bit of an odd, contrived little setup, really. It's kind of dramatic and stuff, but, you know, what? so you're so, an, oh, the bastard, he let my prostitute housemate free. What's he doing? He's sitting in the bath with money in it. I bloody kill him, and then they, you know, they shoot each other. I said, well, he, he, you know, he gets shot. Uh, Salim is shot by one of the henchmen we don't know, and then I guess someone comes up the ranks and takes over the crime organization, picks all the money out of the bath, rubs, washes the blood off of it, dumps Salim. They were, they were a little trigger happy in that moment as well. He could have just been having a little bit of a tough time in the bathroom. To be fair. Mm. We have set that up as a theme of the film. Uh, no, well, you know, whatever. The gang the gang of baddies realise, you know, from the phone call and the TV show that everyone's watching that what's transpired, which 
few leaps in logic. I don't know if I'd have been quite so like, oh, that's weird. What's that about? Questioning would be the first thing, but then he does get shot in the face. You can't do any questioning when someone's shot you. Anyway, that's the thing. Salim has, for no reason, redeemed his character and done like a Scarface-style suicide. And uh, the two lovebirds... You know, in fairness to her... No, sorry, in fairness to Jamil, right? He turns up at the station. He's a millionaire now. He doesn't care. But she she knows this. So could she... You never really know if she loves you for you. She didn't turn up on any of the other days. Now that you're a millionaire... You know? Why is she turning up now? You cynical man, Richard. <laughs> you missed an opportunity there to actually say... You ain't, you ain't saying this, she's a gold digger. But she ain't messing with no broke. That's right. <laughs> and I think the answer to the question, who wants to be a millionaire, not Jamil, but Latika does. She wants to be a millionaire. This guy's won millions of rupees. And uh, I like that you become a millionaire in terms of rupees before you become a millionaire at the end of the quiz as well. Like you win 20 million rupees, you know, like instead of 1 million and technically cross a threshold and become, you know, you're properly a millionaire in rupees, aren't you? Rupees even. But yeah, you know, cynical I may be. <laughs> she she, they they turn up, they kiss eventually after you know, being happy they're together at last, uh, and then you know we have a post credits uh, Bollywood style dance, and they go off walk off together happily ever. Well, who knows? We maybe they have more harrowing stories happen to them. Maybe she steals the money and runs. We don't know. They just had a dance scene. It's happily ever after, and you know it. It's true, and maybe she didn't care. <laughs> maybe she didn't care about the money. Maybe not. But it is. There are many times in the film where I felt it was sort of. I don't know it's deliberately going for brutal, so hmm. you know, fair enough. Like, it's what surprising, expect- surprisingly, I mean, it is Danny Boyle at the end of the day. I mean, we should have really expected it. <laughs> yeah, I mean. He is famous for putting a baby dead on a ceiling and stuff, so... Yeah. Um, but I, I didn't like the characters. That's the main problem. I found them a little bit two-dimensional. I felt their narrative arcs were a little bit muddied. Uh, I've probably been a bit too harsh. Like you say, Oliver Twist is a victim of circumstance, and he's good. He's a good person who tries, who commits crimes, but, you know, begrudgingly because he hasn't got any other options. And I kind of... Charles Dickens was a genius, and his novels are great. So why can't I accept this model on this new, in this new form? And I think it comes down to I didn't like Jamil. Salim was a massive dickhead, rather than a charming one, and the the sort of love interest was very paper thin. And all of the baddies are like it's kind of like an almost it's, how it's racist is not because the term slumdog is used. It's because it betrays all adult Indians apart from. I think some of the showrunners of Who Wants to Be a Billionaire, like the some of the people who do the the editing and the work on the production, are nice. Not the horse; he's horrible. And the police are corrupt. Adults are awful. Like apart from Americans, white Americans, if you scam them, they will give you money instead of letting you be beat up by the police. So it feels a little bit racist at times. Do you guys think? It's a difficult subject certainly um 
I wouldn't quite go with racist. Um, it's, it's, it's tonally, because, though. It's very negative, isn't it? You know? Yeah, because, you know, take the story out of India and put it anywhere else. You know, it would be exactly the same. You need everyone to be the bad guy to make to make it more harrowing so like the the ending is even more happy yeah so i i you know just because it's got the shell of india you know the, the core story would be the same no matter where it was if you know what i mean so i it's... think you're right i think that's what stops it from being it's not a piece saying indian people like this it's just there's quite a large representation of negative adult indians in the film Mm. But everyone is more or less Indian, isn't it? It's a bit weird that some of the characters speak English. I guess, you know, it's for a Western audience. But they live in a slum, but they speak English. Yeah. Is it like. But it's not always just because we've translated it into English. I felt like, fair enough, you didn't do it in Indian because it wouldn't have the mainstream appeal. And also, an English director and writer can't do it as easily. But originally, I, I read that uh, it was just going to be all English, but um, uh, um, Danny Boyle was convinced by um, by the co-director um, to, to 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 make it more authentic by making the more uh, uh, putting more Hindi in there. Um, Probably a good idea. Yeah, but so originally, but... I think he told apparently he told the production company there was only going to be ten percent. But overall, he managed to put like a third of it into into Hindi. It's mainly the ch- the smaller, younger children, isn't it, who talk hmm. in their own language, I suppose. I mean, did you? What did you feel about the English language being used? Do you think it was a was an issue or just a nothing element? Um, in general, it was fine, but I was a bit confused during Who Wants to Be a Millionaire because he'd speak to Jamal in English, but then he'd speak to the crew in Hindi. But Jamal speaks Hindi. I don't... Yeah, it's... It's, sort of, <laughs> it's just... Well, it was just a thing a thing that, I guess, was happening in the film that wasn't meant to... You're kind of not meant to... Like, I kind of tripped over it, but I was like, you're not me- meant to sort of worry about it, I think. Yeah. Like, it's, I, it, you know, it's the same with all Hollywood films. Like, how were these... French musketeers speaking with American accents, kind of thing, you know. It's, yeah, it's the same. It's the same blur. I, I yeah, wasn't thinking. I wasn't thinking about it too much. It was just because it was slightly inconsistent in how it was used that I noticed it really. I guess because the character is played by several, the characters are played by three different actors, all of them young, uh, and then when they switch from speaking one language to another, it's like, well, did he wait? Was he older? And did he learn English? You learned, like it's just, this character is uneducated. He can read, but he, he doesn't have. He shouldn't have a grasp of two languages, and that's not what the film's about. And yet, when he's young, he speaks one language. When he's older, another. So, I think it's just a weird like thing that should like. I just kind of thought about it. It kind of threw me. But I think just generally, it's just well, it's the, that's it's just how we're presenting the film. We didn't mean anything by it. I don't think anyway. Mm. Uh, there, there was one moment where I was a bit confused. So when the host of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire introduces it, and he said he can't say million properly or millionaire properly, so it sounded like he was saying Who Wants to Be a Milliner, and I was like, <laughs> Who wants to, who wants who to, wants make to be a for a living? Yeah, I, every time he said it, that's what exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, so that, I was like, I was thinking of well, the Mad Hatter from Alice in Wonderland, probably. Um, 
Are there any <laughs> other famous milliners? Like, <laughs> but um, yeah, that was I. I don't know. I mean, how many times as a as like a English director could he have gone? Can you say it like this, please? Mm. You lose your accent a bit on that word. <laughs> but um, whatever. I mean, you know, that was just it. Just abused me uh, and obviously you. Um, me too. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know if I've got anything else to say on it. I guess we're just down to... If you guys have anything you want to bring up, feel free. But I think metaphor time otherwise. Only that I really enjoy the soundtrack. And I think it um, it helps um, like knot the whole thing together all the way through. Yeah, there's a nice mix of music as well because obviously there's the slightly more Bollywood stuff and I think they reimagine I don't know if they, do they reimagine the, the millionaire theme with a slight sort of uh, Indian flair or something like I, I felt like there was a few little touches that were quite nice but it, I, th- I didn't have any problem with the visuals the music uh, even the acting was okay it's just the fact that they're caricatures it's a, a, mm. the heightened silly concepts and also i i will only accept a reality where quiz shows are filmed in a batch that's the fucking i won't i won't accept any show that suggests a quiz show could be filmed over two days with a break that's ridiculous <laughs> yeah anyway metaphors which person on a banknote is it is it gandhi is it george washington oh one one more thing on the the subject of the film it opens with a question how did uh, Jamal win a million or whatever? And it's like, A, B, C, D, is he a genius? Is he lucky? And then D is like, it is written. And at the end, it says, D, it is written. It's like, yeah, it's written. It's a fucking script. And before that, it was a book called Q&A. <laughs> Q- Q- I was... Fate I was um, I mistook what they meant by that, as in... I thought they were saying, who wants to be a millionaire is fixed, obviously. Yeah, it's scripted. <laughs> <laughs> it's written, we can have whoever we want win. I, I also thought that, because only because in the trailer they do the same thing, but the, instead of saying it is written, they actually say it is destiny. Yeah. And just like, well, well, you obviously changed that in the trailer because it made more sense, so why didn't you do it in the film? Yeah, you got to have, des- it is my destiny! That makes more sense than saying it is written has a sort of different about three different punchlines to why that's a good choice, but not fitting with the the idea you're going for, I guess. But yeah, uh, sorry. Um, which so which banknote is who wants to be a Slumdog Millionaire? I still can't remember what it's called. Uh, I'm I'm going to say something like it's. Um... It's now like an old five-pound English note. Um, you know, no. As since in the in the last few years, we've switched to like this weird plasticky one instead of the old kind of like fabricy paper one. Yeah. Like, uh, so it's it's a it's an old fabric five-pound note because you know at the time, it was you know it was perfectly brilliant. It, it could buy you, it could buy you anything. Um, chicken. Yeah, mm. but now, like ten years later, like it's kind of moved on, and you kind of, you know, you see it for what it is, and um, like I'm, not, I'm not saying like, I do think this is a really good film, but my problem is that time has shown that it is 
it's just you know the the basic story just has got a different shell around it um so whilst like 10 years ago it would have been useful these days it's more kind of something to stick up on your wall and go like oh look it's an 05 pound note yeah i get you i I can see where you're coming from for me if anything it's the shitty modern new plasticky ones that don't fold up properly and like, it's just they don't feel. I mean, Fen, I'm not like, oh, we should go back to like shilling, shillings or whatever. But it, to me, it's like a plasticky shit note that doesn't fold properly, doesn't quite work for me. And it like sort of awkwardly unfurls whenever you try and tuck it away. And it's just un, unpleasant plasticky sheen on it. And I think this this is sort of presenting a kind of, oh, it's a heartwarming, worthy movie. And it, it's like a harrowing Dickensian update. And I'm just like, oh, but let's just move on to electric money and just have it all be like bank mm-hmm. transfers without any physical crappy plastic thing. And I feel like at times this is a bit, it's got a sheen to it, and it's but it's annoying. And, it, and also, you know, with inflation and, and, and time, it has become less valuable <laughs> as well. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's, it's um, the same denomination of money, but like it's the crappy there's a, just that little crapness to it that I'm not not on board with and that you know obviously came in the form of having too many qualms with little bits of it as well as the literal paper thinness of some of the characters you know like hmm. that was my beef hmm. better uh, I think, so better than mine I think <laughs> oh, it's the same thing it's just a different time period of the money Abby what would you say this is it doesn't have to be a money metaphor if you don't want it to be now i don't remember what um denomination it was but in the film he asked him who was on a certain rupee note and it was gandhi yeah and i feel like this film is a little bit like gandhi because gandhi is one of those sort of icons of india and all the stuff that happened to him was really sad and depressing and and like when some of his views, like a little bit of their time, yeah, yeah, not like, so right. He was he certainly wasn't perfect, as he's played. Yeah. So you're saying you know a lot, and I think that's fitting because Gandhi is held up as like a he's one of the most famous icon, mm. I guess. But he's like you know he's like Winston Churchill or Elvis Presley in terms of an Indian celebrity he's up there I mean in a global celebrity Gandhi's super world famous and I think Slumdog Millionaire was really successful won loads of awards really held in high esteem and you're right though by modern day standards Gandhi had some weird beliefs amongst the positive philosophies in his uh, standing up to uh, various forms of oppression and against his people who perceived themselves to be his betters you know but he still tried to make a point of his virtues by like he would sleep in a bed with women and stuff and like to show how he wasn't lustful or whatever. it's just he, he did and said some other things that were like hmm. by now it's a bit off I'm, <laughs> like, pre- I'm pretty sure he also saw uh black african people as inferior as well yeah so when you look below the surface of what Gandhi stood for, you see some flaws. And I think with this one, oh, on the surface, oh, lovely film, well-directed, lovely Indian-flavoured movie about 
you know, some children growing up in the slums and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then you go, oh, it's a bit grubbier than you remember. The, like, the the underbelly of it is like Gandhi. And that's what you're saying, mm. is Abby. Like, it's... Mm. People yeah. remember like the myth, that. but they don't see the smaller details. Mm. I like that. Although that... Thank you. The only thing it doesn't address, in terms of my opinion of the film, is that I wouldn't necessarily describe Gandhi as a boring man, and I would describe Jamil as a boring man. Sure. But the film as a whole isn't boring. I didn't sit through it going, oh, come on. Like, you don't find yourself mm. bored. At, at times you're questioning the plausibility or the... the like, you just sit there going, really? You're blinding orphans? From I mean, there must be people in the world that are really awful. I mean, there are human slavers and things. There are, you know, paedophile gang... You know, they're just horrible crimes in the world. I'm not saying that doesn't happen. But, uh, fucking hell, it's just, you know... It never ends. Yeah, just kill the mum, covered in shit, burn a child's eyes, run away, betray your friend, kill a a mob guy, you know, constantly suffer and (laughs) con people. Like, it's just, oh my God. Bombardment of torture. With an uplifting, feel-good ending with a dance. Hooray! Anyway, so we've given our metaphors, we've chatted our shit about it, and uh, that concludes us for now, this time on Spoiler Field, I think, unless I'm wrong, am I wrong? You're not wrong, Rich. I think it's time for us to dance the podcast out. That's right, and when you go to the Taj Mahal, please make sure you're with an official tour guide, or else you may get some inaccurate information, and feel free to research it yourself. Sometimes going well prepared for a holiday makes it all the more enjoyable. Hmm. <laughs> <Ooh>. Bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Like someone, Bye. someone works for the Indian tourist board. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, who builds a mausoleum to their... Oh, never mind. Let's not get into the whys and why-nots of the Taj Mahal. I did like the idea that they built a swimming pool rather than a sort of aesthetic garden pond on the outside, though. All these ornate buildings with water features, you should be able to get in them, shouldn't you, and have a bit of a swim around. It's got the length. That's what you need from a swimming pool. You could have an Olympic sash on, couldn't you? Mm. <laughs> anyway. Ciao. Ciao. Bye-bye. <laughs>